Tonight, Captain Picard beams back in. A Batwoman has been found, and we talk about all the news from Star Trek Las Vegas on this edition of Multiverse Tonight. There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello, and welcome to the special episode 6 of Multiverse Tonight, where we look at all your geeky universes. I'm your host, Thomas Townley. Last week, we had a long episode with news from Comic-Con International. Well, this week, we have a ton of news from Star Trek Las Vegas. I would also uh, like to share that we will soon have our first interview on the show, hopefully in the next episode or two, so stay tuned for that. Over on our Twitch channel, I've been playing Star Trek Online. Feel free to join me on late Sunday or Monday nights. And if you're a player, feel free to join me and join our fleet. Just search for Multiverse Tonight. Now, I've told you in the past about our affiliate links, especially the one on Amazon.com. Well, if I want to keep that affiliate link, I need to show a few sales, so help me out. Go to MultiverseTonight.com and click on the link in the sidebar off the homepage. We also have a link there for MyComicShop.com, and I plan on having more associate links there soon. Also, if you'd like to contribute directly, like my good friend Anne, go to either my Ko-fi or Patreon donation page. You can also find those links on the website. Thank you, and let's get on with the news. Lots of news from Star Trek Las Vegas. The big news is the announcement that uh, this man right here, Patrick Stewart, will be returning to the role of Jean-Luc Picard in the new series for CBS All Access. He appeared at the yearly TrekCon to make the announcement himself. We don't know much beyond that, but ComicBook.com has inferred some things from the announcement. First off, the fact that Sir Patrick told the audience that it's been more than 20 years since they last saw Picard, and quote, Picard may not be a captain anymore. He may be someone who has been changed by his experiences. We have no scripts as yet. We're just talking, talking, talking storylines. It will be something very different, but it will come to you with the same passion, unquote. In other words, this is not a reboot, but a continuation of Picard's story. He's probably not captain of the Enterprise anymore, maybe an admiral or an ambassador, or he's just retired and teaching at the Academy. Variety has also revealed who's on the creative side of things. The series is being developed by Alex Kurtzman, James Duff, Akiva Goldsman, Michael Chabon, and Kirsten Beyer. Kurtzman is the co-creator and current showrunner of the start of Star Trek Discovery and is the man charge of expanding the Star Trek franchise, so no surprise there. Goldsman is also producer and director of Dis on Discovery, and Duff is a Discovery executive producer. Beyer is part of the Discovery Writers Room, as well as a Star Trek novelist, and also in charge of coordinating Discovery as a multimedia franchise, keeping the show's writers informed on what the Discovery novels and comics are doing, and vice versa. One could speculate as to whether her involvement in the new Picard-centric series 
also involves correlating that new series with discoveries. Perhaps most surprising is Michael Chabon, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. Chabon previously announced that he will write one of the upcoming Star Trek short track episodes leading into the second season of Star Trek Discoveries, so it seems he is all in with his involvement in the Star Trek franchise. Kurtzman, Duff, Goldsman, and Chabon will also serve as executive producers of the series, as well as Patrick Stewart, Trevor Roth, Heather Cabin, and Rod Roddenberry. So what do we have other than Patrick Stewart? Well, we have nothing yet. The most interesting thing is that so many of the creative staff is also from Discoveries. I'm going to lay a guess that this still won't be the return to TNG-style storytelling that we've, been, that we've seen. This also makes me question how committed the staff is to the show if they're splitting time between writers' rooms on both shows. The only hope is that Sir Stewart will use that executive producer title to steer the show the right way. On a side note, William Shatner tweeted his congratulations to Patrick, quote, It's wonderful news. Congratulations, my friend, unquote. Now, there has been a lot of reaction to Captain Picard's return on Twitter, but one thing you don't want to do is tweet, Shut up, Wesley, to Will Wheaton. He's over it and sick of it. Tweeting, quote, Sigh. Listen, folks, I was a Star Trek fan before I worked on TNG. I remain a Star Trek fan to this day. I'm as excited as any Earth Trekkie in the world about this, and telling me, shut up, Wesley, when I'm excited about this is beep and cruel. Please don't do that. Unquote. Folks, try to live by the golden rule of the internet. Don't be a dick. Deadline.com got in an interview with CBS TV Studios president David Staff. He says that he wants Star Trek-related programming on all the time through the CBS All Access streaming service. Quote, My goal is that there should be a Star Trek something on all, all the time on All Access. We know it draws an audience, and Discovery has done quite well. Unquote. In other words, the good fight ain't selling subscriptions like they hoped. Anyway, Later in the interview, Staff was joined by CBS All Access pr Platform President and COO Mark DeBois and CBS All Access Executive Vice President of Original Content Julie McNamara. Also joined in on the interview, discussing Discovery and potential spin-offs featuring specific characters, such as Michelle Yeoh's Captain Philippa Georgiou. Julie McNamara said, quote, We've really talked about virtually all of the characters who popped in Discovery as potential spin-off shows. It's obviously very much driven by our conversations with Discovery showrunner Alex Kurtzman's secret hideout and other creators involved. I wouldn't say at this point that we are actively pursuing Michelle Yeoh's series, but it has been discussed, unquote. Then they discussed Rain Wilson's upcoming role as Harry Mudd in one of the short Trek shorts coming to CBS All Access. The trio explained their thought process behind testing ideas on a small scale to bring into larger productions like Discoveries. McNamara told, quote, told Deadline, quote, He definitely falls in that category of it could be interesting to build around this character, but I will say it hasn't progressed any further than that, unquote. Staff then went on to explain that there was no grand design with this. They just thought it would, quote, be really cool story-wise, character-wise, unquote. 
So, we're going to get spun off from a show with only a handful of episodes? Can we l wait longer until the show and its characters are established, please? Uh, this seems a lot of cra uh, a lot of like a craze following. They struck hot with Discovery, so they're going to milk the franchise for everything they got all at once in hopes that all access catches fire. Please, don't CBS, just don't. But if you feel you must, please appoint a truck czar to oversee the whole thing and make sure they're not destroying continuity. So, you wanted to watch Discovery, but you didn't want to pay for all access. I don't blame you. Well, CBS is releasing the show on Blu-ray and DVD on November 13th. The cost for the Blu-ray is $50.99, the DVD is $41.99, but those prices are expected to fall before the release. They come with some deleted and extended scenes, as well as some shorts detailing the production. So let's do some math. If you watch the show as it came out, you subscribed for at least 5 months. Depending on if you did the commercial or commercial free plan, it would have cost you between $30 and $50. So the price of the Blu-ray means you don't save any money. However, if the price falls, this would mean the DVD Blu-ray would be the better deal. Makeup designer Glenn Hetrick's panel at STLV had some juicy details. Glenn is the makeup designer for Discovery. First off, the Klingons, they are a changing. He told the crowd, quote, As we move into season two, it has been a while since we have been with our characters. It has been a while since we have seen our Klingon friends, so everything keeps evolving. The story has evolved, and I can guarantee you this. You're going to be blown away that they have a completely new look, yet again, going into season two. Can we please stick with something for the Klingons? Please. However, the reason they were bald in Season 1, Hetrick says, quote, If you really think about Season 1 and the Klingon storyline, we had this incredibly real ritualistic season with them. It was really about unification and igniting the beacon, the light of Kalos, and bringing, bringing him back. So we integrated that very much and thought a lot about that. He then pointed out that in the Next Generation episode, Rifle Air, Kalos said he reunited the Empire by cutting off his hair and dipping it into a volcano and forging the first batleth, and tempering it in the ocean of Kronos. To set things right here, I have to point out that Kalos took a lock of his hair and dipped it in the volcano. A lock. Not the whole head of hair. So in other words, Hedrick misheard a line from the Next Generation episode and made the whole of Klingons bald because they're following Kalos. Let me guess. Someone finally pointed this out to him, and now they're going to have hair this season. Hetrick also pushed on the fact that different houses of Klingons look different, and that we will see more different houses. Quote, In Season 2, you are going to see much different designs. You are going to see different houses you haven't seen before. One of the most important things to us was that at this point in canon, as we head towards the current version of Unification, the houses really each grew up on different planets. It is an empire. It is not just Kronos. We have seen six of the great houses in close-up on Season 1. As we move forward into Season 2, 
I promise that we will continue exploring and unpacking and folding that infinitely interesting story of what the Klingon culture looks like on a wider level. I'd like to point out that this makes no sense to me. It would be like every household on Earth looking fantastically different from every other. This makes no sense. Just gonna put, th put this out here. Do you have any thoughts? Let me know. I would like someone to make sense of this, cause... Ugh. Let's start with a little novel news. Cadet Sylvia Tilly will be the next character to get her own prequel novel with Star Trek Discovery, The Way to the Stars. The novel is written by best-selling author Una McCormack, and here's the blurb. It's not easy being 16, especially when everyone expects great things from Tilly. It's even harder when her mother and father are Federation luminaries, not to mention pressing her to attend one of the best schools that the Federation has to offer. Tilly wants to achieve great things, even though she hasn't quite worked out how to do that or what it is she wants to do. But this year, everything will change for Tilly, as she's about to embark upon an adventure of a lifetime, an adventure that will take her even closer to the stars. Sounds interesting. Tilly has been a bright spot in the series, so her backstory should be interesting. And speaking of Tilly, she will be front and center, center in a new season of Star Trek Online, Age of Discovery, which opens in the year 2256, just after the Battle of the Binary Stars. In the wake of a brutal war against the Klingons, Starfleet Captains must face Eula, matriarch of the House of Makai, and sister of the Kuzma who seeks to alter the destiny of the Alpha Quadrant. Players will need to rely on the help of fellow Starfleet Academy cadet Sylvia Tilly, played by Discovery actress Mary Wiseman, who has come home to assist with training and see them off on their first assignment. From there, they will journey to iconic locations from Star Trek Discovery, like the Dilithium Mines of Corvan II, explore the new experimental Crossfield-class st starship, USS Glenn. You'd think it would be the USS Crossfield, but... And defend Starbase One from a fearsome attack by the Klingon House of the Gore. The first installment from Age of Discovery will introduce a reimagined starting experience that will allow players to create a Federation character from the Discovery era. The update will also include two new episodes for Starfleet Academy cadets, a new task force operation to defend Starbase One, and new reputations that expand the game's reputation system to Tier Six and unlock powerful new rewards. Additional details will be announced when Age of Discovery launches later this year. At Star Trek Las Vegas, Jonathan Frakes announced that Marina Sirtis will guest star on Season 2 of The Orville that he will direct. Other stars for the upcoming season include F. Murray Abraham, Ron Canada, Tony Todd, and Ted Danson. So, a little trivia time. In the Halloween movie series, the mask that Michael Myers wears in the movie is a Captain Kirk mask, painted white. Now we have learned that longtime Halloween franchise producer Malik Akkad has tried and still hopes to win an appearance by Star Trek le legend William Shatner in a Halloween movie. Asked by Halloween Movies if Shatner has commented on his association with Michael Myers, Akkad answered, "Not quote, not directly, not to me directly." And from what I hear, he doesn't really acknowledge it. I think he makes light of it. 
we actually have one of the original impressions of Shatner in our office in LA. So obviously, we're really grateful to him. And in certain ways, we've tried to reach out to him to make to, to maybe do an appearance, Akkad said. Lord knows he's busy enough with Star Trek stuff, but you never know, unquote. Now, come on, Bill. We know you have a sense of humor. I'm sure all you'd have to do is just cause a jump scare in and out. It would be your greatest work ever. Well, bad news, folks. A new report from The Hollywood Reporter indicates that Star Trek IV is in series serious jeopardy. W with negotiations with Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth having fallen through. The negotiations between Paramount, Skydancer Media, and the Chris's have ended with both sides walking away from the table. The actors say they're being shortchanged and being made to work for less than they're worth, and the studio is taking the position that the past performances of the past three movies have not been high enough to merit a raise. It's unclear if the studio would recast Pine and Hemsworth's roles or make another go at renegotiation, but it doesn't look like the movie is in any kind of holding pattern right now. Maybe they should just call William Shatner in and have Pines Kirk aged horribly by a transporter accident. And this just in, right before I sat down to record this episode, Discovery has found its Spock. Ethan Peck, who is the who is Gregory Peck's grandson, now either Google who that is or turn to the nearest old person and ask, will play Spock in season two. Ethan is known for the series series Ten Things I Hate About You. He has also voiced Gabriel Thorne in Halos Four and Five. The following statement was released by E.P. Alex Kurtzman. Quote, through 52 years of television and film, a parallel universe, and a mirror universe, Mr. Spock remains the only member of the original Brids crew to span every era of Star Trek. The great Leonard Nimoy, then the brilliant Zachary Quinto, brought incomparable humanity to the character, forever torn between logic and emotion. We searched for months for an actor who would, like them, bring his own interpretation to the role. An actor who would, like them, effortlessly embody Spock's greatest qualities, beyond obvious logic, em empathy, in in intuition, compassion, confusion, and yearning. Well, I hope uh, I haven't heard much about him, but I hope, uh, you know, he's great for the part. Now, let's look in on the DC Universe. CW has found its Batwoman, and has been revealed that actress Ruby Rose has been cast as Kate Kane, aka Batwoman. Rose has since spoken up out about the role on her Instagram account, where she revealed that she is, quote, beyond thrilled and honored to be playing the part. Ruby Rose is an Australian model, DJ, recording artist, actress, television presenter, and former MTV VJ. Her acting credits include Triple X, The Return of Xandra Cage, The Meg, John Wick Chapter 2 and 3, and the third season of Orange is the New Black. She'll debut during the, the annual Arrowverse crossover. Deadline reports that Superman's cousin, 
Supergirl could be getting her own movie. This script is currently being worked on by Oren Uziel, known for The Cloverfield Paradox, 22 Jump Street, and Shimmer Lake. There are no producers currently assigned to this project, and no other details are forthcoming. Hopefully, this will be in the vein of Shazam and not Batman v Superman. Margot Kidder, who starred opposite Christopher Reeve in the 80s Superman movie, was found dead in her home this past May. The Associated Press now reports that her death has officially been ruled a suicide. A statement released Wednesday, last Wednesday, by Park County Coroner Richard Wood said she, quote, died of a result of a self-inflicted drug and alcohol overdose, unquote, and that no further details would be released. We are saddened by this news as this seems to be beginning of a recent string of high-profile suicides. If you're contemplating suicide, seek help today. Warner Brothers' DC superhero movie, Birds of Prey, based on the comic, has reportedly found its villain. The rap reports that Black Mask, the ruthless Gotham City underworld leader known for his suits, his twin pistols, and his trademark ebony mask, is set to be the big bad of the upcoming Worlds of DC film. The film will star Margot Robbie returning as Harley Quinn alongside DC Comics heroes Black Canary, Renee Montoya, Huntress, and a young Cassandra Kane. Birds of Prey does not yet have a release date. Now, over on the televised side of the worlds, the Doom Patrol series has also reportedly found its villain. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Doom Patrol is aiming to introduce Eric Morden, aka Mr. Nobody, as its first major villain. Mr. Nobody is far from a household name. He does have deep historical ties to the Doom Patrol, however. The character first appeared in 1964's Doom Patrol number 86 as a simple criminal. Eventually, he transformed into the superpowered villain Mr. Nobody in 1989's Doom Patrol number 26. The transfiguration from Morden to Mr. Nobody wraps his appearance, warps his appearance, and turns the man into, quote, a living shadow, unquote. As Mr. Nobody, Eric Morden is insane, bitter, and vengeful. Let's look at some Marvel news. It's been a while since we checked in with Stan the Man Lee. Bleeding Cool reports that Stan is no longer to be doing signings. According to a statement from Jonathan Bowlerjack, who is helping look after Lee, quote, To be very clear, Stan is 100% not doing any conventions slash public signings. In the last few years, his well-being has been compromised by people for monetary gain, and that practice is over. Unquote. Bullerjack went to state that private signings were also temporarily, are also temporarily on hold, and that Lee would only be signing a small number of items when the comic legend wanted to do so. So cherish those autographs, true believers. They're truly now collector's items. And then, exclusive to Variety, Sony has revealed it has the rights to roughly 900 characters. Sony Pictures' internal designation for this collection is Sony Sony Sony's Universe of Marvel Characters, or SUMC. S-U-M-C. If things go well with Venom, 
Venom will take off with this collection of characters, of villains and heroes who live in the Spider-Man universe. Quote, we're, be we're focused on being faithful to the comics, unquote, said Sanford Panich, president of Columbia Pictures and executive who is overseeing the Summit. A Black Cat Stiller Sable team-up movie has been planned, but appears to be scrapped. But according to Mr. Panich, quote, we believe Black Canary, uh, excuse me, we believe Black Cat is enough of her own character with a great backstory and a canon of material to draw from to justify her own film, unquote. So it sounds like Black Cat will be getting a step up to her own movie at some point. With the rumor that Venom will be a PG-13 bordering on an R rating, Sony also plans to experiment with budget ranges on the films it makes, and has even publicly said that it is open to making comic book movies in the vein of Logan or Deadpool that are for much more for adult audiences. We might even see more crossovers with the Disney Marvel filmverse. Sony is open to having other characters from its Spider-Man films pop up in Marvel movies that produced under the Disney ages, and would presumably also like to see an Avenger or two cameo in its own movies. Call it a favored nation's trading partnership. Now, Disney has revealed some of the details for its upcoming streaming service. Nothing on the price yet. However, here's what we do know. The service will roll out at the end of 2019. When it hits the market, the service will include upcoming theatrical re releases such as the live-action remake of Dumbo, Captain Marvel, and the next Avengers sequel. There will also be several films that will be made directly for the streaming service, such as a remake of Lady and the Tramp and the Anna Kendrick comedy Noel. Original television series will draw on pre-existing Disney properties, such as Monsters, Inc. and High School Musical. The hope is that major Disney brands such as Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm, as well as Nat Geo, which the company is buying from Fox, will all contribute content to the service. Disney CEO Bob Iger has suggested that the cost will be less than Netflix, and users may eventually be able to bundle it with the ESPN and Hulu apps to more closely approximate a traditional cable TV subscription. Quote, if a consumer wants all three, ultimately we see an opportunity to bundle them from a pricing perspective, Iger said, unquote. What will be missing will be the Star Wars movies, as they are under contract with Turner Broadcasting. However, Star Wars films made after 2019 will be exclusive to the platform. Original content won't be made on the cheap. Disney's streaming service will be overseen by Ricky Strauss, a veteran marketing executive who got the post last month despite his lack of production experience. A live-action, 10-episode Star Wars series from John Favreau will cost roughly a hundred million dollars, and an ab adaptation of the book Timmy Failure boasts a forty-five million dollar budget, according to a recent story from the New York Times. Looking to the future, Iger, during the call with stockholders, said he believes that many Fox franchises and labels will be complementary to Disney's content. The Disney chief said he was partially particularly excited to buy back the rights to X-Men, Deadpool, and the Fantastic Four, Marvel brands that had been licensed to the studio. 
Moreover, Iger said Disney plans to invest in FX, Nat Geo, and Fox Searchlight, giving them more, resor more resources to, to produce movies and shows. In other words, Disney is looking to be just as inv invaluable as a Netflix subscription. I do, as w uh, I do have one suggestion, Disney, as a stockholder, as a fan, if you give us a lower starter cost, say $5 a month for the first year, you win. Just saying. Start the service as a loss leader and you'll win people over immediately. Anyway, news on the James Front Guns. James Gun Front. Try saying that three times fast, folks. While it looks unlikely that Disney will rehire the beleaguered director, come on Warner Brothers, strike all this iron as hot. It looks good that they will at least use the script that Gunn wrote. The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that not only are they going to use the script, they're negotiating an exit payout to Gunn reportedly between $7 and $10 million. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. might not be the only Marvel show on ABC soon. According to The Hollywood Reporter, ABC President Channing Dungy revealed, quote, We're cooking up a couple things on for broadcast. There's one that I want to talk about, and Marvel TV head Jeff Loeb won't let me. When asked about the sh if the shortened Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season was the final season for the series, Channing replied, quote, We'll see. I feel like last season was our strongest creative season ever, and that the fan base remains very loyal. And we do very well in delayed viewing. It's my hope that by moving it to summer, where our live same-day ratings are less important, it might be able to continue for longer." Unquote. So in other words, if you want to see the show, you better watch the show. Now, let's look at some geek news. Andy Serkis, known for his role as Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies, will be bringing George Orwell's allegory novel Animal Farm to life for Netflix. Deadline reports that the ad adaptation will be contemporary and highlight the, quote, staggering relevance of the satirical and dra dramatic power of the novel. The novel was an allegory about the dangers of Soviet communism and the rise of Joseph Stalin. Set on an English farm, a group of animals overthrow their farmer and take over the farm themselves. However, they soon find that the animals are not all as equal as they thought, with those in charge telling the underlings, quote, four legs good, two legs bad. Unquote, to drown out opposition. Quote, we are incredibly excited to have fa finally found the perfect creative home in Netflix for this extraordinary zeitgeist work by George Orwell, Circus said in a statement. The film will be produced by Circus's film company, The Imaginarium. Sources have told Variety that actor Ben Schwartz will be voicing the Blue Hedgehog in Paramount Pictures' Sony the Hedgehog movie. He will be starring alongside James Marsden, Tika Sumpter, and Jim Carrey. Paramount has given Sonic the Hedgehog a holiday season release of November 15, 2019. The movie project, based on the Sega video game franchise, had originally been in the works at Sony Pictures. But the studio let its film rights lapse, and Paramount then picked up the project in October. Sonic has been around since 1991. Sega. The frontrunner for the new James Bond might just be Luther and Thor series, series star, star 
Idris Elba. If chosen, he would be the first non-white actor to portray the iconic spy, James Bond. Daniel Craig is leaving the franchise after James Bond, number 25. The word comes from the Equalizer 2 director, Anquan Fuqua, who reported Bond series producer Barbara Broccoli is on the hunt for a black Bond. According to Fuqua, Broccoli disclosed to him, quote, it is time, unquote, for a person of color to step into the iconic role. The 25th Bond film is scheduled to be out in 2019. The Wall Street Journal reports that a sequel to 2007's The Simpsons movie is, quote, in development, along with the previously announced Bob Berger's epic big screen adventure and a Family Guy feature length film. CEO of 20th Century Fox, Stacy Snyder, has been emphasizing a new approach to animation, bringing in a new partner to replace the expired deal with DreamWorks Animation. The film studio is now working with the TV side of the studio on the big screen versions of The Simpsons and the Family Guy film that would mix animation with live action and Bob's Burgers. Now, how these might be affected by the Fox-Disney merger, we, will, we don't know. The Oscars, they are changing. I know, I've used the change in twice in this, pr in this program. Sue me. The Oscar Board of Directors has revealed some of the new changes for the 2019 Oscars. The telecast will be limited to three hours. Some of the smaller Oscars will be done off, will be done with off air, and the winners broadcast later in the telecast. The big geek news part is the inclusion of a new category of outstanding achievement in popular film. This would be for films that were tops at the box office, like superhero movies, that wouldn't normally be put up for the Best Picture Award. Now, we've come to the uh, end of our little show. So, Comic-Con International is over. What's next? Wizard World has a convention coming up every month. Wizard World guests this year will include, across the U.S., The Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, Jason Aquaman Momoa, Ray Cyborg Fisher, and Ezra the Flash Miller in the Justice League movie, Dave Bautista and Palm Comteef from Guardians of the Galaxy, Natalie Dormer and Sean Bean from Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings actors Billy Boyd and Sean Astin, fan favorites like Michael Rosenbaum, Charisma Carpenter, Henry Winkler, and many more. Use our coupon code MULTIVERSE at checkout for 20% off the cost of your tickets. The next show is Chicago, August 23rd through the 26th. Get your tickets today. And be sure to check out our social media, Twitter at MultiverseTom, and on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contribute some money, please do so at ko-fi.com slash multiverse, or on Patreon as well. And if you're a subscriber, please, please, please be sure to share us with your friends. And if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to subscribe. Now, if uh, you'd like to leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing, that would be great too. Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. Thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. Now please exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half-Baked Genre Productions. Copyright 2018. All rights.
freezer. 